Surviving Cancer is a conversation between a doctor and a cancer survivor moderated by me Roshina Zehra. Today we are in conversation with 59-year-old John Lewande who flew all the way to India from Nairobi. The purpose of this trip was treatment of a stage 4 lung cancer which was diagnosed last year in 2018. However now John is 95% recovered. Also joining us in the conversation is Dr. Ranga R. Rao, Senior Director Medical Oncology Max Hospitals New Delhi. Let's start with you first. What led you to kind of get tested for this kind of cancer and you know when you got diagnosed with it? So we traveled over this end of February and um actually I was coughing severely. I think the doctor tried to you know like check me and dispose I said no no you know I was just coughing too much. At that time I could never lie on my back. Now I can lay on my back for as long as I want even if it's the whole night. So was no it the pain whatsoever. like what, what kept you from no lying on your back? Coughing. Okay. Yeah. Just lying on your back would trigger it. Um happily we we made the doctor four cycles of chemo and then back home. And since then I've been on a maintenance tablet. Doctor turning to you like how he mentioned he had this cough which wasn't going away and which he decided to get tested um for the especially in delhi you know knowing the kind of air we live in it's not abnormal it's not unusual for people to develop coughs and you know problems like those so without sending people in a panic you know where they think that every cough could it be linked to lung cancer if somebody has to watch out for it like the signs when they should seek professional help when they should get checked for you know a cancer or any other serious ailment like that like what is what is that one thing they need to look out for coming to cough hmm. there is no specific type of cough hmm. in cancer it could be the same like a bronchitis and cancer cough are no different right every cough is not cancer that's something to be noted and all cancers do not cause cough so here we are talking of symptoms of cancer there are no specific symptoms any symptom coming out of cancer means it is already advanced when the tumor is small it does not cause any symptoms of any kind anywhere except a visible lump cancer in its early stages doesn't produce any symptom and only when it has some it when it grows big or it has some secondary effect like in his case what happened was the tumor was causing a lot of fluid of something like water outside the lung so when it was accumulating that caused the cough in him so when we talk of lung cancer specifically so you're saying the only way to safeguard yourself is regular checkups to constantly is is that what it is yeah so okay so when I mean, when should be one cautious yes. when there was any symptom any symptom abnormal happening in him for a particular duration at least maybe 15 days a month and the reason is not obvious then one should go for a checkup it is not for a checkup for cancer but it is for a medical checkup that's it it should not cause a panic and for example stomach cancer can cause simple acidity which can happen after a spicy diet after a lot of bout of alcohol right or you have I mean you have something different food you have and then keeps happening off and on and you take one tablet you find mm-hmm. you think they you got magic cure and i'm fine without that and you carry on mm-hmm. till the tumor now spreads to the liver 
So whenever unusual symptoms are happening, you take the medicine for it, all right. But do consult a doctor. Uh, John, turning to you, when you found out about your cancer, what was that first thought that occurred to you? You know, what was your first reaction? Well, obviously, I, it's not. Um, it's entirely unexpected because um, I have been told that, you know, lung cancer happens to people who either smoke a lot. Or, are you a smoker? No. Well, that's why I'm saying I was entirely surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is actually what was puzzling. So, yeah, I was surprised. When you find out something like that, so you also want to share it with your family and kind of get their support, but there's also maybe for some people a kind of hesitation to not put them under the same stress. So how did you kind of approach it or reconcile the two things? How did you break it to your family? Uh, it, it, was, um, it was harder for the children because she had to talk to them. And remember that she herself was very devastated when we came. And um, I sort of, I was not even, surprisingly, not worried so much about myself. I was now worried about her. I was worried about my wife because if she's in that shape, I do not know how she's going to manage to handle things beyond that time with the, with the children. And then we had to, our children, uh, in different places. We had the youngest in China who was uh, sitting her exams. Uh, we had another daughter who was in Austria and that's the eldest. And we were worried because my son was at home alone in Nairobi, in the home. He's uh, the third born, because the, the second born works in Qatar. Uh, so the children in different places and how do we pass over this news? And she had the burden of trying to explain this. It was very traumatizing. Um, so to me, telling my friends was not a burdensome at all. Sharing it was not burdensome at all whatsoever because I don't believe that people should hide what is ailing them. I think people should speak about it and be open about it. And also having met the doctor and uh, you know, with the confidence, when you see how your doctor talks to you, how he explains the issues, you, you know, you also build your, your confidence and the trust in the doctor and what we're doing. I think the, the challenge was how my wife would handle this, how she was handling it. Uh, it was really affecting me more than, I was not in fact as much worried about the disease as I was worried about her. There's this one very interesting thing that uh, John mentioned, the importance of the doctor-patient equation. So when you get, you know, such a case and, I'm, and you're aware that it's going to be a moving experience for the patient, what is it that doctors can keep in mind while, while talking to them or to their family members? Like, how do you handle that interaction? It is totally individualistic. I, I mean, whatever has happened to John, the way I spoke to him and his wife, it's impossible for me to talk this similar way to an Indian patient here who is not so well literate. It will be totally different. So first thing I do is I judge their capacity to understand the situation and also judge how they're going to react, right? how they're going to take it. Today I saw um, a husband and a son of a patient. They never brought the patient. They said we haven't brought because we don't want her to know. Right? And then they just brought the papers and they wanted me to assess and tell them all the things without the patient. And they would just go to other multiple places. So they are very different kind of people. There are many people, with, they don't bring in the patient, they'll come and tell me, please don't tell the patient that she's got a cancer. And then don't tell that you're going to give chemotherapy. Tell them that you know, you're going to give some injections for her strength. Mm 
I mean, I think they all depend upon the social background they belong to, the cultural background they belong to. So I think it's different. So we have to behave and uh, talk in a very different manner. For an idea, ideally what I would like to do is tell the patient and the family the entire facts rather than not. So that they understand everything and take a decision. After all, I'm not going to decide for them. I'm only going to advise the options, tell them and explain to them about the whole cancer and how it is going to behave, what are the treatment options and then they could choose from that depending on their financial capability. There are many times when an their drug is there, ex very expensive, one may not go for it. So they could even choose, uh, choose in a cheaper option. This may require one sitting, two sittings, three sittings. A patient who is non-medical, I don't expect him to understand everything in one go. They will take time to understand, digest it, have questions, keep coming back again and again. So we have multiple sessions for all that. Um, last question for you, doctor. Uh, lung cancer specifically, how common is it in India? And if there are any, I mean, of course, there's things like smoking and all of that. But if there's any specific kind of people who are more susceptible to it? So number one, lung cancer is one of the commonest cancers in India amongst the males. It is number one in the males, right? And then it comes as number three or four in the females, right? So that is one, it's, it's pretty common. And we almost have a lakh and 20,000 lung cancer patients every year diagnosed. Couple of facts which are very appealing and um, you know, they actually require our attention that most of the patients who are diagnosed as lung cancer, almost 60% of them would be thought to be having tuberculosis and are given medicines for the TB for almost a period of four to six months. But does it mean that TB in any way is also linked to lung cancer? No. No, but you're saying it, that it's it often be, confused. There are certain scientific links to TB and cancer, okay. but that's that's a different story. What I'm trying to say is here, the, the symptoms and the picture on the x-rays is so similar okay. that it is confused for the cancer or the TB may mimic the cancer mm -hmm. and it is taken as a tuberculosis and doctors treat them as tuberculosis and because they're not becoming all right, then they are referred to the oncologist for the cancer. So one of the, one of the thing is any person having something like TB, if it is not proven mm -hmm. that it is TB, the doctor is thinking that it is tuberculosis, the doctor and the patient must make an effort to be sure that it is TB and before that they can always refer to an oncologist to know it is not a cancer. That is one. The second thing is you asked me, what are the types of patients yeah. that you're going to have? Smokers, obviously, but as Mr. John, um, there are many people who are non-smokers, mm -hmm. never smoked in their life, mm -hmm. never have been even passive smokers, mm -hmm. and they also have lung cancer. Mm -hmm. So yes, they, they also have lung cancer for some unknown reasons. Maybe they're exposed to something in the uh, air that we breathe, mm -hmm. because nine out of 10, according to the WHO, are breathing polluted air all over the world, yeah. right? So, uh, I mean, it's not surprising that something in the air is causing the thing. What is the percentage of these kind of cases, like John's yeah. case? Uh, we may not have exact statistics. I think yeah, the uh, about 40-50% of them are smokers and then 50% of them are never smokers. 50%? Yeah. That's such a surprising all, number. All the women. Oh my God. Yeah, so all the women huh. who are there, many of the, at least in India, yes. they're not smokers. Yeah. So the percentage of smokers varies from region to region. Wherever there's a high level of smoking, obviously that will be very high.
and something like Delhi Air, how bad is that? It's uh, pretty bad. It's pretty and bad. And it's pretty bad, like any other thing, any other other country in China and you know other places, many other places. Yeah. But Delhi Air is bad, yes. And John, final question for you: um, During this whole process of dealing with the disease, I'm sure there were highs and lows, and you've spoken a lot about your family so far, but. Who is it or what is that one thing that you turn to during your lows? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think first of all, believe. Because you see, I was chatting with the doctor this morning and saying, you know, this is really, um, this is like a miracle for me. Because, you know, I was diagnosed at stage four and it's how, oh, you know, people never recover from this. Then I'm saying, but I'm sitting here and I'm in front of the doctor and the most important thing I managed is to fly all the way and arrive here. Now that I'm here, let's just deal with it. So believe, first of all, I believe, by the way, very strongly, I believe that I can be treated and I can recover and get on with normal life. Then when I met the doctor and I was looking at him and I was looking at my wife, I was just said, doctor, let's now get on with it. <laughs> yeah? yeah? So I believe that and, and, um, and um, it, I think it kept me very strong with a good doctor and the belief you know, and the strength they have and the faith in God. I was saying, I kept telling her, this is going to work. It's going to work. It will work. Just take it easy. It will work. It is easier said, but the experience is very tough. So I think the bottom line is A, awareness and regular checkups and B, just believing and having a positive state of mind. Won't we all agree to that? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, John, for sharing your story with us today. And thank you, doctor, for your time. Yeah, thank you. Hope you liked that podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you'd like to hear a podcast about athletes, head over to the Quinn's Greatest Game of My Life.